0: Good morning. How's everybody? Great. Sweet. Great. I love to hear it. So I want, to, I want to take a few minutes before we dive into today, and I want to do an exercise with you. Um, how many of you at the beginning of the year reflect on kind of what you want to see happen in this new year? And I realize we're in February. Just bear with me. Um, one of the things Julie and I celebrate 21 years of uh marriage this week, and so thank you. She put up with me for that long, and it's amazing that she did. Um, she's a saint, and so I just asked her to bear with me for 21 more years, and we'll see if I live that long. So um, I have a bet that my ticker will give out before then. So anyway, Um I get to go see Jesus sooner. So, with all that said, sometimes you like to think about hey, what do you want this new year to look like? What do you want um, to see happen? And, and so, one of the exercises I started a while back was coming up with one word that would define uh, that I would use to kind of keep me focused on the year. And so, just take uh, two minutes, and I'll keep a watch on the clock. So take about two minutes and think about if you were to want anything to happen in this year defined by one word, what would it be? Ready? Go. All right, we good? Share some with me. What do we got? Growth. Growth. Okay. What else? Love. Love. What else? Peace. What else? Stability. 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 Unity. What else? Restoration. One more time. Restoration. Restoration. Thank you, sir. What else? Receive patience. Anything else? I missed something here. Faith. Somebody else. Chad, what'd you have? Direction. Courage. Balance. Strength. Tolerance. You can only have one word, Dale. Okay. <laughs> One of the words last year for me was gratitude. In 2019, it was, it was, uh, my word was gratitude. I wanted to be grateful. And, and, and it was so amazing as I looked at last year uh, how many things I had to be grateful for. Uh, and just everything that happened, everything that took place, just being grateful. And so as I, as I looked at 2020, the one word that came back to me that kept coming over and over again was this word bold. I need to be bold. And, and in this particular piece, it was interesting because um, most people, or not most people, some people will say that Julie and I live, on, um, live a life that, that we're out a lot and we're doing a lot and, and we're stepping out in faith a lot. But one of the things that, that I would say in my own life is that there's a piece of me that was afraid of becoming complacent this year. There was a piece of me that said, you know what? Um, One of the things is, is I don't want to stop doing what God's called me to do. I don't want to give up what he's called me to do and just kind of rest on that particular piece. But one of the things that I wanted us to do as a family and then even as a church is that this would be a year of us being bold. And one of my dear friends looked at me as I was sharing this, and she goes, Chad, my whole last year was boldness. I'm tired. And so she, she said, I just threw in the tired piece, but she goes, I've been bold, and that's what, that's what, and it's amazing, but to see, look back and to see her growth was amazing to see. And see, that's what I want for us as a church. And so as I prayed and prayed over what this next series would be, what the next five weeks of our message series would be, the word that kept coming back to me over and over again was this word bold. And I couldn't get rid of it, I couldn't shake it, and it just kept coming back. Because the one thing that I'm learning over and over again is that God has called us to boldness, and he's called us not to be complacent, and he's called us not to just sit on and, and sit down and just kinda, just kind of let things go, but he's called us to something. And we just wrapped up a series where we talked about this idea that our calling is too great. And we are too valuable by God not to do what he's called us to do, not to pursue what he's called us to do. And so that we need some boldness moving into this. And so I went to our Old Testament and the Scriptures, and I said, well, let's look at some guys, ladies, that, have a, that, that were bold in some different things because I want us not only to learn from what Jesus did, but also want us to see how God worked through those Old Testament um, faithful individuals and how he worked through them and brought about what he has for us in this lesson that he has for us today. So go to Exodus chapter 1. Go to Exodus chapter 1 and your Bibles or your devices or whatever you're using to follow along with us today. And so my challenge to us this, week, this, this year as a church is how bold can we get? How bold can we be? How bold can we be in stepping out in faith? How bold can we be in reaching out? How bold can we be in inviting? How bold can we be in giving? How bold can we be in using our resources? How bold can we be in taking ground for the kingdom of God? Because if we're not taking ground, and Dale or one of our elders reminds me of this quite a bit, one of the things he always talks about is we cannot stop taking ground. The evil one is wanting to take ground, but we can't give that up. And so we have to continue to be about how do we take ground for the kingdom. And here's one thing that I'm learning over and over again. My whole life there's been this theme. And this theme of that giving up is not an option. Someone quickly reminded me it's an option but not a viable option. Let's just say in God's economy, in God's kingdom, in God's world, giving up is not an option. We don't give up. I grew up in a household where giving up was not allowed just wasn't allowed, so much so that he plasters it all over the kids' bedrooms when they come and sleep, so they know it as well. Um, going in the Marines, is one of the best things I ever learned is we don't give up. You take it one day at a time. And one of the things that I, that I think that we, we fail to realize is there's a reason why in our household growing up, giving up was not an option. It's because in our household growing up, we had hope. And our hope wasn't in how the economy was doing. Our hope was not in uh, how well we had it. Our hope was not in whether we were struggling. Our hope was not in who was the president. Our hope was not who was in whatever was going on outside. Our hope was in one person and one person alone. And that was in who? Jesus. And so therefore, because our hope was in Jesus, giving up is not an option. I want to start us in a, a passage and, and just I want you to hear this. It's 2 Corinthians 3.12 and I just want you to listen and it, it reads this. Since we have such a hope and what Paul is talking about the hope of Christ. Since we, since we have such a hope we are very bold. We are bold. We are very confident. We don't have to give up. One of the things that I want to decipher as we move forward today is there's a difference between giving up and surrender. There's a difference in giving up and surrender. And see, God calls us to surrender. He doesn't call us to give up. And the difference between giving up and surrender is this. Surrender is, is this, or giving up is I'm done, I'm throwing in the towel, I'm walking away, forget it. Surrender is coming to the end of yourself and saying, I can't do this anymore, God. It's all you, and you've got to do this. And God's got us to a point when we come to a point of surrender where we say, I, I, I'm, it's beyond me. I, I'm done here, God. You have to step in. And so I'm going to surrender, but I'm going to remain available to what you have for me. I'm going to remain mobile. I'm going to remain flexible. I'm going to remain uh, in it. And let you guide me through it. And let you lead me. I'm going to relinquish control of what I want. I'm going to relinquish all the things that I want to control. And I'm going to simply surrender to you. Because I've come to a point where this is not what I can do anymore. And so I have to come to a point of surrender and allowing you to guide me. See, God wants us to surrender to Him. He doesn't want us to give up. If I were to give up, I walk away. If I were to give up, I'm just going to cash it in. You see, God wants us to live boldly. A boldly surrender to Him. Where giving up is not an option. And so here's one of the things I want us to understand is this. There's going to be some very hard decisions that we have to make in 2020. There's going to be some gut-wrenching things that take place. There's going to be... Some things that take place that we don't understand. There's going to be some things that go on that that we may not like. There's going to be things that that head our way that we're not sure what to do with. And at those moments and those times, we're not to give up. We are to surrender. Giving up is not an option. When you have the hope of Jesus in you, you can live boldly for him. And that's the piece we're going after. Exodus 1 and verses 22, and then we're going to go into 2 to 10. It reads this. And a little backstory about this is in Genesis, right at leading into Exodus, there was a, uh, a guy named Joseph who got taken away, uh, sold by his brothers because they were jerks, and sold by his brothers. But even in the midst of that, God used it. And what God used it for is there was a famine in the land of his father, and so what God used this thing, this horrible thing that took place, is he actually saved his father's um, family during a famine. So his fathers came to Egypt and met Joseph, saw Joseph again. And so all of a sudden the Israelites, God's people, who planted in Egypt. And so they were there for a very long time, and they, they started growing as a family, and they became big. And they were there so long that the Pharaoh that was in place at the time, the ruler in Egypt at the time, I uh, forgot about Joseph and forgot about what Joseph did for his people and how he, he basically got him through this famine piece. But at the end of this or this in this story, we get to see how what had happened in history was forgotten in this moment. And so uh, the Pharaoh wanted to stop the growth of the Israelites. And so we get to this point in this exodus where God starts hearing the complaints or the, the cries of his people. And he starts hearing how bad they have it because Pharaoh says, you know what? Here's what we'll do. What we'll do is we will work them so hard that they won't don't want to go home and reproduce. That they'll be so tired and we'll make them do all these different things that he takes the I'm tired tonight, honey, to a whole new level. Right. Sorry if there's kids in here. Close your ears. But that's the piece, that's the piece that he, that's Pharaoh's mentality. And what I think is, is that Pharaoh's wife probably told him so many times, hey, I'm tired, not tonight, that he figures if I do this to the Israelites, then they'll stop reproducing. But the opposite happened. He worked to death, he worked them so hard that I guess their only release was to go home and enjoy their spouse because they kept having kids and kids and they grew and they grew and it started driving Pharaoh nuts. And so what happens was, as Pharaoh decides to to offer this piece up, he tells all the midwives. And the midwives were to go in when a a woman was having a kid, and she was going to help in the delivery. And he tells the midwives, if it's a boy, you need to kill it. If it's a a girl, you can let it live. But the midwives, here's one thing about the midwives in chapter 1 of Exodus. The midwives feared God. They feared God and said, we can't do this. So they came up with a great reason, and they said, listen... Our Israelites, women. the Israelite women are so strong, they're not like you Egyptians. This is hilarious. They're not like you. They're stronger than you. And they give birth before we get there. And so we don't get to do what you've called us to do. Now, some of us will say, well, they're lying. Yeah, they told a lie. Do you know what? Sometimes God uses some of that stuff. Do you understand that God uses our bad stuff for his glory Sometimes. Now, I'm not telling you to go home. Listen, kids, y'all, y'all, don't go home. You're not going home lying. You're not going home lying. Tell the truth, absolutely. But what I do want us to understand is the mistakes that we make. God uses. In this so in this, we see how God uses this, and it's so interesting how God uses this, because all of a sudden he goes, okay, here's what's going to happen now, since you midwives won't get on board with me. And you also have to understand that Pharaoh was considered God in Egypt. Like there was no one greater than Pharaoh. And yet the Israelites had a God that they loved and that they cried out to, and it wasn't Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh said this, Since you guys won't do this, then I'm charging everyone that if you have a male uh, baby, you need to go to the Nile River and you need to throw the baby in it. How twisted is that? But if you have a female, let, let her live. And so what do we see happening? We see that those that feared God, those that have a reverence for God, a respect for God, they chose to do something totally different. And that's where our story picks up. Exodus one twenty-two to ten to ten or two to ten reads this: Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child she hid him three months now i have to ask this question what mother looks at their baby and says oh he's ugly now think now i want you to read look he said this is a fine child one script one passage said hand or, or like a good-looking child right and not, so my idea is so this kind of thing is kind of throwing me off because what mom oh well that's ugly let's just get rid of him. Thank you, Chad. All right, so here we go. He had dimples already. Here, we so the woman conceived more child when she saw that he was a fine child. She hid him for three months. So automatically, she didn't. She didn't listen to Pharaoh. She listened to what God was speaking to her. When she could hide him no longer, she took took for him a basket made of bulrushes and, and the David. It was, Dob. Thank you. Sorry. It was vitamin and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds for the riverbank. Now, so what they did was they were good about making boats out of these particular things. This is how they would float things down the river. And so they made a small one for this child. And so, and then she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds for the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her young woman, while her young women walked along, walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew's children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me. I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Now, I love this story because what looks like someone giving up is actually a story of surrender. What looks like a woman giving up to me is actually a story of bold surrender. Now, if you have a child in this room, would you ever think about putting them in a basket and floating them down a river? If you just had a baby, if you just had a baby, would that ever cross your mind? Thank you very much. <laughs> this is what we see in this passage. See, moments of not knowing what to do. Do I give up or do I keep going? What do I do in the, these moments when I just don't know what to do? See, life will throw a lot at us. We will come across moments in our lives like that don't make sense. They will be those moments that will test our faith, lead us to question whether... God is for us or against us. It's in those moments we need to be the boldest and not give up. To go against everything in us and try something bold, Jochebed was faced with a moment like this, a moment when she felt like she had no other option, but she didn't give up. Instead, she did what she could to keep going. She made bold decisions that led to the future leader of Israel staying alive and able to deliver God's people out of bondage. Her choice to be bold was not just about her. It was a choice that God used to impact generations to come. Our choices to be bold, to stay true to God and not give up on what he has for us, has an impact on us and also those that come after us. So what will it require of us to be bold enough not to give up? So as we look as giving up is not an option, here's what I need to realize. I need to realize that I'll face life-altering moments. There will come a time that we will face life-altering moments. Decisions that we make that will alter our life, that will alter the lives of the people that surround us. In this particular passage, we see how Jacobed faced a, a, a life-altering moment. She was told that if you have a son, you need to do what? cast it into the Nile. And so she came to this piece where she could either choose to listen to Pharaoh and cast her baby into the Nile or she can choose to say, you know what, I'm going to find another way. And so she did. And as this particular piece, when we read in Exodus 122, we read this again, the Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. See, in your life and mine, and I don't know What this is for you, and I don't know exactly all the things going on in your life, but I do know that there are moments in our life today that based on the decision we make today could alter our lives from here on out. What we choose to do today has the option of either bringing about something um, that's in line with God's will, or it has an opportunity to bring about us getting further and further away from him. And in this particular story, we get to see how Jochebed, who's Moses' mother, came across this life-altering moment, this life-altering decision that she had to make. And she sat there, and what did she do? So I need to realize I'm going to face him. So maybe some of the life-altering moments we have in our lives today is this. Maybe you're in a marriage that's on the rocks right now. Maybe you're in a marriage that's on the rocks right now. And everything in you tells you not to go to your spouse and have a conversation and bring to light what's going on. And so in in fear, you sit back and you don't have conversations. Maybe God's called you to step out and have a conversation with a child. And I don't mean a condemnation talk where you sit there and you condemn them. I'm talking about a loving talk with your child that brings them about life and that brings about something good. But you're bold enough to go and actually talk to them about something you see in their life, not because you want to push them down or not because you want to keep them down, but because you love them and you need to have a conversation with them. It looks like that. Maybe your life-altering moment right now is a conversation you need to have with a family member. Maybe it's somebody that within your sphere of friends that you need to go and talk to. And based off of what you choose to do, whether to be bold or whether to give up on that particular piece, can actually change the way their lives go, the way your life goes, and how that relationship looks. Maybe it's a job. Maybe you're waiting for a job today and you're trying to figure out what's the best option, what's the best route, and you don't know what to do. And yet, at the same time, you sit up, you sit back, and you try to figure it out, and you try to figure out, knowing that the decisions you make today can alter how your your family uh, sustains and goes on throughout this year. And so you're at this crossroads in life, and whatever you choose to do could be a life-altering moment, and we'll face them day in and day out. And sometimes we just don't know what to do. So your particular piece, your particular life-altering moment may be different. It may be something else, but that's where it comes down to. Maybe it's as simple as this. Notice I didn't say easy. I said simple. Maybe there's somebody you need to apologize to. Maybe there was a moment you overreacted. You said something out of hatefulness. You said something that wasn't typical to you, and you simply need to go and apologize. And you know that by making that, that step and stepping towards them and asking for forgiveness and admitting and apologizing, admitting that you did wrong, that it could actually not just change the relationship, but it starts to change your heart. We just wrapped up forgiveness. Maybe you need to take that step in forgiving somebody. And that's the altering moment that you have in your life today. I don't know where yours is at. I don't know what what it is. But here's what I'll tell you. The evil one, just like Pharaoh, wants to kill the gift that you have. He wants death in your life and he wants to beat you down and he wants to take it from you. And so the, the piece that you have to choose is do I want God's way or do I want the evil one's way? Do I want God's way or do I want my way? And that's the life-altering moment that we have. And so we need to realize that we're going to face these moments each day. Here's what I know to be true, is that a lot of times I need to realize that the decisions I make are going to be gut-wrenching decisions. The decisions I make, the decisions of what to do next, don't come natural and they become gut-wrenching. And what I mean by gut-wrenching is they become this piece that turns over in my stomach again and it becomes one of those pieces where I may not sleep well and I may not want to eat and I may just not feel good and they become very difficult. And you know these decisions, you've experienced them, you've had to make them in life where you don't know whether you choose, if you choose A or B, and you're sitting there trying to figure out what's the best choice, what's the one that's going to change things, what do I do? But you come to these gut-wrenching decisions that it beats you down and you don't know what to do, and then what happens? We freeze, we get stagnant, and we stop moving forward. But each of us will face a gut-wrenching decision, and here's the particular piece that we're going to wrestle with in the gut-wrenching decision. It's the, what I don't know about the unknown. So if I make decision A, I don't know what's going to happen. But I also want to be comfortable. And so if I step out in faith and I live boldly for God, if I step out in faith and I share Christ with somebody, if I step out in faith and do something that's very uncomfortable, uncomfortable for me, that is the unknown. When sitting at home and chilling and relaxing, that becomes the piece that becomes very tempting for me. That becomes the piece that says, you know what? I don't, like, I don't like that particular piece of the unknown, so I'm going to stay here. So the decision becomes, do I step out boldly or do I stay comfortable? And that becomes a part of our gut-wrenching decision. The other one is this. is what we, we, I hear this a lot. We fail to see the possibilities of God moving in our life. Like sometimes we can see Him. Sometimes we can get a, a sense of Him. Sometimes we, we, we know that if we, we have something, we project and we can see an image of the possibilities. But we, we're not sure that it will work out that way. There's a little bit of fear in us. And so what, is, what happens is, is rather than pursue the possibilities of what God has for us, I live in fear and I live defeated. And in this particular piece, we come to this piece, what do I do? What do I do with this? We see Jacobed in this particular story say this, the woman conceived and bore a child, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. Do you understand that in this particular story, that in this, as we read this, that she was putting her own life on the line? To hide this child was no easy task. Ashley, you got a newborn baby. Does she cry a lot? Does she loud? Thank you. Could you hide her for three months? There you go. Do you, do, so we need to understand that And if she were caught with this baby, do we understand what would happen to the mother? She would die. Pharaoh wouldn't have disobedience in his realm. We see this, this gut-wrenching decision that she had. to: Do I put my life on the line? Or do I go with this nudging that God's doing in my life to hide this baby? Because I fear Him. And I know that He has something here. And I just don't know what it is goes on and says, When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of of all this great stuff. (laughs) I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. All this great stuff. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. Do you not think that that was a gut-wrenching decision? Here. Now, I understand when the kids get older they become obnoxious and we're happy to float them down a river. But a little baby to sit there and say, you know what, and to, to walk through this piece, what do I do here, God? See, we know that she feared God. We know that there's a piece of her. That, that loved God. We know that there's a piece of her that was dropped because the Israelites did. They, they, they would cry out to God, they would go to Him. And so we know there's a reason why she didn't listen to Pharaoh because there had to be a piece of her that loved God so much that she wanted to do the right thing. So she had this gut wrenching decision to, to do. Do I place this child in this basket and put him in the reeds, or what do I do? How do I do this? See, we read through Scripture and we think, "Oh, it was just that easy, simple, and just put them. Yeah, we good and peace from out." No. Like there's, there are humans, they're humans. They live life. They, like they feel emotions and the same things that we would experience. They experience. And guys, when we face these gut wrenching moments, know that God's there, right there with us. And so even though it looks like in this story. In this part of this story, as I read it, I'm like, man, she just gave up. No. She came to a place of surrender. Because here's what I believe was going on. That God was speaking to her, telling her exactly what to do and how to do it and where to place that child. And there's a part of this that as she was doing this, that I believe God was speaking to her, telling her everything that she needed to do in order for his will to be fulfilled. And in our own lives, see, Jocelyn mentioned this early, the Holy Spirit that, that is given to us to speak to us, that guides us, that direct us. Sometimes we need to be silent and listen to it. Sometimes we need to be quiet and rest in that and allow him to speak to us and allow him to guide us because here's what happens. And a moment of what looks like giving up in this story is actually a moment of complete surrender to God to say, I've done everything I possibly know what to do, God, and now it's up to you. Now it's up to you. So I surrender and I'm placing this child because this is what I believe you're telling me to do. I'm placing this child into your hands, trusting that you're going to do exactly what you said you were going to do. Because I don't know what else to do. And here's what I believe to be true. That that's exactly what God wants us to do with the very gifts, talents, and resources he's given us. Is to say, you know what? Just give them to me. When you're tired and when you're done trying to figure it all out, just surrender to me. And in those particular moments of life, we see God working in amazing ways. See, I don't look at this passage, these two verses, as a moment where Jochebed gave up. I look at it as a moment she surrendered to God what she had been given. The next thing I need to realize is this. In order to truly be bold, in order to truly do what God's called us to do and not give up, I need to surround myself with bold people. I need to surround myself with bold people. I've been sitting a lot with families lately. And the interesting thing about this is I sit with more and more families. I realize that who we choose to surround our kids with a lot of times determines how our kids are going to turn out. If you don't believe me, As your kids get older, how much time do they spend in your presence? Less and less. Less and less. And they spend more time with their peers. Even nowadays, I mean, I've got a fifth grader. And even nowadays, the amount of time she spends interacting on this device right here. Not my phone, her own. She did not have a phone, excuse me. She's got an iPod Touch. I, don't buy my, I didn't buy my kid a phone. Probably just as worse. But anyway. I see that she spends more time on this, interacting with her friends on this. That my life goal now is to get all her friends' family in this church. I want my friends' families loving Jesus. I want my friends' families pouring into their kids the same values that I have. Now, I realize that this is like some of you guys that have older parents are like, Chad, you're smoking something. No, you know what? I'm, I'm believing God for something. I'm going after something, and I'm going to be bold about it. You want to know why I coach? I don't coach because i got free time. I don't coach because I've got all the energy in the world. I, got, I coach because I have a higher calling. I get an opportunity to meet people. I get an opportunity to meet the very kids that get to influence my kids. And I get to pour into them. I get to show them what a godly man looks like. Not a perfect man, a godly man. Because if you see me coach, I'm far from perfect. <laughs> that's the piece that's so interesting. So in this in this passage, what do we see? That Jochebed was surrounded... By bold people. In this passage, we see it was her daughter. But in our lives, who are we surrounding ourselves with? That's why life groups are so important. That's why who we choose to hang out with is so important. Our kids are watching. They're paying attention. If you spend five minutes with my kids, they'll tell you every one of my flaws, I promise you. They probably needed like two minutes to list them all. They're watching. I know this because they tell them to me all the time. Who are we surrounding ourselves with? Are they bold people? See, Jacob had a daughter. See, so we don't put much weight on what she did, but here's what I, I, I'm growing to understand in this passage, that because of what her daughter did, because of what her daughter did, God brought about something amazing. Here's what we see. Do we understand that because of what she did standing there watching that basket, watching that basket to see what happened to it, and that the moment she went up to Pharaoh's daughter and asked her, hey, do you want me to find somebody to nurse that baby? Do you know that Pharaoh's daughter could have said, why are you here? And what do you have in this? Everything could have gone wrong in her mind i could imagine her saying this if I, what if what if i get killed for this what if i get thrown in the nile with the baby what if, what if they find out who I am and how I'm connected to this baby? What if they find out all the behind-the-scenes stories? What if, they, what if, what if, what if? And we'll fill our lives with what if. And this, what, this daughter could have very well did that, but she didn't. She went boldly to the Pharaoh's daughter and said, do you want me to go find uh, one of the Hebrew mothers to nurse her? And it's in that moment she put all the what-ifs behind, and she lived boldly, and she went and asked a question. And out of it, and then she goes back, and the Pharaoh's daughter says, yes, go find it, then I'll pay her something. And so she goes and gets her mother. And I'm wondering if Jochebed didn't say, you know what? If I go and they find out I'm this child's mother, they may kill me too. See, the what-ifs don't just end. And we can find every what-if in our life not to live boldly for Jesus, but there comes a point where we've got to put the what-ifs behind and step out in faith and just live boldly for Him. And so we see in this passage that a sister, a daughter that lived boldly actually brought around something amazing. That not only did Moses' mother get to nurse her own child, but she was paid for it. Anybody want to get paid for being a mom? You could put that on a resume. I get paid to nurse my own kid—the one thankless job that that all mothers have, right? Because the kid's not looking up after you feed them, saying, "Oh, thanks for that." No, they don't do it. She got paid for it. Maybe the very "what if" piece that we keep throwing out to God—well, what if this? What if that? What if we get rid of the "what if"? And start boldly trusting Him and boldly surrender to Him. And maybe He'll do something amazing in our lives to bring about His will and to bring Him glory. Because what we see in the next part is this. We see Pharaoh looking and said, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away, nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. When we learn to be bold, to get rid of the what-ifs, and to move forward, we see God do some amazing things. You've heard me say it time and time again that if we stay put and we don't move and we sit here and complain that God never moves in our lives, there's a reason why we sit here and don't we don't see God move. Because in God's movement, he calls us to move with him. When God moves, he doesn't say, hey, stay there. He says, come with me. When Jesus called his disciples, he didn't say, hey, keep fishing. He said, know what? Follow me. In order to be bold, we need to, we need to start moving forward. Not only was she bold in going back and saying, you know what, I'll, mur- I'll nurse my child, but there's another boldness here piece in this story that sometimes we miss. She got to influence this child, so she, he was weaned till so he got older. But what did she do next? She didn't say, you know what, let's just run with Moses. Let's just get out of Egypt and go because this is my child. She didn't say that. She brought Moses back to the Pharaoh's daughter. And another moment of not giving up, but a moment of surrender. She's trusting God that he's got his hand on Moses. She didn't know it. She didn't know what was going to be. She didn't know the possibility. She didn't know any of it. She simply was bold enough to trust. And because she was bold enough to trust... God did what with Moses' life? Used Moses to bring his people out of Egypt. We never know what the end of the story will look like. But what we do know is we need to live boldly. And when we don't allow giving up to be an option, what we see is that when we boldly surrender and simply trust God, we see Him move in amazing ways and He brings about a story what for His glory and His glory alone. And so the question is this week what will I choose to do? Will I choose to make bold decisions for the simple fact of bringing glory to God or will I stay comfortable and not speak up? Not have tough conversations. Not love the people I'm called to love. Not show up. Not confront. Not confront not forgive, what will I do? In the midst of all of us, he's called us to be bold and he's given us story after story of what boldness looks like. And in Jacobed's life, we see a woman that was bold enough to hide a child, to put a child in a river, to come back and nurse a child, and then also to give that child back. Why? Because she was at a place where she could trust her Father in heaven to be faithful. And that's the same God we have. He is faithful and He's got us. Let's pray. Father God, I love you and I thank you for today. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the opportunities that you have, Lord. And as we look in our lives, and I pray, Father, that as we look at what um, we have going on this week, Lord, all the opportunities that lay in front of us, all the things that, that we get to do, Lord, I pray, Father, that in those, in those moments, that You would allow us to live bold. That You would allow us to step out in faith. That You would allow us to trust. That You would allow us to, to surrender to You, Lord, not to give up. Lord, because for You, giving up is not an option. And so in that moment of us wanting to give up and wanting to walk away and not do do stuff anymore, not to follow You anymore, not to do what You've called us to do, Lord, I pray, Father, that instead of giving up, Lord, we would simply surrender to You. That in the moment of surrender, we would follow You, that we would allow You to guide us, and that we would boldly live for You. God, I love you and I praise you. And I ask, Lord, in our lives, Lord, that we would choose to be bold this week. To boldly surrender our lives to you. And allow you to guide us and direct us. And we would trust you all the way. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. A couple ways for us to respond today. The communion tables are open. You can take communion and remembrance of what Christ has done for us. Um, and Light Point, we believe, and I haven't said this in a while, Lightpoint, Point, we believe that God's blessed us with so much. And so one of the ways that we can respond to, to what God has given us is we give back. Uh, we have our offering bins in the back. And so if God, if God has laid it on your heart, it's a gift between you and God and no one else. If God has laid it on your heart to give back, then I would, I would encourage you to offer up whatever that is back to him. And an offering, and so you have that opportunity there as well. Uh, also, prayer cards you can stick in there. Um, you can, with the prayer team. I know Rob. Uh, who else is going to be over there with you? Just you. Okay, Rob, and I think Dale will jump over there as well. So if you need prayer over anything, uh, feel free to head over and get prayed over. Um, and then lastly, we can stand and sing. Um, so you respond how God leads.